Hello and welcome to the very first episode for season two of Millennials with Mics. I'm your faithful co-host, Aaron Mason. And I am your incontinent co-host, Christian Stevens. Are you incontinent peeing or are you incontinent in the in another kind of way? Well, obviously with urination, Aaron, I am always having uncontrollable bladder when I have a nice glass of whiskey beside me. <laughs> That's why I wear the pins. Always trust the pins. <laughs> this was not an ad for the pins. Oh my god. No, just to clue our audience in on the joke. Well, we were trying to come up with an opposite word for unfaithful. Yes. And that's what we came up Thanks with. Thanks to the source. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So season two. Boy, do we have some topics in store for you. Do our we? Dear listeners. We really I do. thought we were just whipping this improv you know just thinking of it up as we go no we put a lot of we put a lot of thought we put a lot of thought into our episodes and like i said with season one it was pretty a little sporadic. more light-hearted more sporadic yeah not knowing how to really put it all in order yeah i guess because we were just kind of whipping up ideas as we went that was our first season but we had a uh, we had more time to a mm-hmm in between seasons to go back and listen to what we did. Right. Um, to plan and map out episodes. Um, right. So we think, you know, I mean, our subtitle, Millennials and Mike's discussions about movies, politics, religion, and more. Right. We want to talk about more than entertainment, which is basically all we talked about in the first season, except for like one or two episodes. So this season we'll be diving into not just entertainment, but a little bit into religion and other things. And, We've got some uh, musicians, politics, religion, um, social media on an episode. Yeah. So we but you can uh, take that either or. So yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll really be shaking it up this season, and I'm sure season three will be even better. Mm. We do have a um, new logo for season two. Yep, that's right. Which we have to thank. Um, oh yes. Our good friend Emily. Yes. We will. She has an online store. Actually, we will put a link definitely to her store in mm-hmm. on social media and on the episode description. Yeah, uh, she did a fantastic job. She Completely did a, custom logo for us. It's it's an absolute delight. Uh, and I mean, it was so it was better than I guess we in we yeah whatever I've done. Oh yeah. Like I said, that our our current or our season one logo was a was like a first draft. Mm-hmm. call it that we've yeah. had time to kind of like polish it up and mm-hmm. luckily emily is really good at what she does she is graphic design and all and she did such a superb job so hopefully y'all like it and uh we're excited but to it, yeah kickstart she did really good um and you know it 2020 was a crazy year <laughs> we're glad it's over frankly <sighs> but um you know, it was still a big year. You started working on your first book, which if you've been listening to our bonus episodes, you would know. Yeah, yeah, I think I've mentioned it. I huh? think we mentioned it. Okay. Um, I wrote my first book. You did. Yours yeah. is fiction, mine's nonfiction. Yeah, that's that's something. But um, that's always an achievement, starting your first book. I'm toying with ideas for a second one nonfiction wise and i know you have a series like a loose series planned 
not years. a series as far as i don't know if it's, it's like a universe it might be more than it a series be. but the, it's not like it won't be like you know sequels hunger and, games and things yeah, like no. that it'll be what would you like what would you say like um sort of how some we were just watching the other day where it was like two movies they're not the same movies but they have some sort of it was a coen brothers um when they did burn after reading mm. and tuscan march is a law mm-hmm. firm and then a separate completely yeah. unrelevant movie a serious man mm-hmm. which is a coen brother picture yeah made a reference to tuscan march yeah and i was like how funny two completely just different mm-hmm. coen brother pictures but they kept they kept that little yeah. bit of instances that's probably it's kind of like um you know they do that with the american horror story seasons there's That's little right. things like, like that that piece little... them together mm-hmm. that make them all part of the same. Oh man, universe. the recent season, the, well, not just this season, but like Fargo on FX has started doing that, and it's mm. like all kind of making a string. In a yeah, way. and I was like, how interesting. Hmm. But uh, now I thought that's the mm-hmm. best way to put that. But no, um, yeah, you uh, you wrote your book uh, about your grandfather, mm-hmm. and that was really enlightening and really emotional. Yeah, especially because I knew your grandfather. Yeah, I was really say, well you knew him. It was really personal, and I liked it. It was really good. But like I said, for your first book ever, it's just interesting to actually, fiction or not, you know, type yeah. up and make a story regardless. And uh, yeah, so that's always fun. So yeah, so, so yeah, so twenty twenty twenty's been fun. I mean, we we launched our bot podcast in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a lot of people launched podcasts in twenty twenty. A lot of people just didn't keep up with them. Mm, well that's a shame yeah more like a well this was fun for one time but i guess we're not going to commit <laughs> i commit so uh, i'm glad we have yeah yeah so today for our first episode our inaugural episode if you will we have other inaugurations here in january 2020 <coughs> yeah which we're look- also looking forward to yeah i got my uh <laughs> not to be that political but i got president 46's poster framed nice saw, oh yeah yeah i saw I'm, your picture I'm really excited. Looked very nice i'm gonna wear my socks that day too <laughs> so <laughs> but anyway but um so our first episode for the season we're going to be talking about um film composers and movie scores yes so you know the music the in not in every scenario by any means there's a lot of movies out there to where um very little music. the music doesn't really make two shits about the movie overall mm-hmm. but then there's movies like with such dramatic elements mm-hmm. that would be nothing without the music uh mad max fury road and uh motherless brooklyn are two that those are two good examples different music or no music or bad music would have completely ruined those movies completely yes um and i've always said there's times where silence mm-hmm. is necessary and then there's times where you need that yeah composed beautiful music to actually execute and orchestrate the emotion of the scene mm-hmm. and that makes all the difference in your in the audience's view of the film it does with whoever composes that because it really can capture the emotion and the in, or the intensity of the scene so, and i mean think about I and mean, we'll get into it, but like just big blockbuster, especially especially big budget studio films, iconic mm-hmm. pictures, always get a good composer to yeah 
do those type of things most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think a lot of people's childhood memories, when you hear a certain like opening theme song or yeah. catchy tune, and you remember that scene from a picture that you grew up watching, it kind of brings that nostalgic like, oh yeah, and it gets your adrenaline kind of going, like heart yeah. pumping. That's what I like. Yeah. And I mean, there are hundreds of film composers out there. Um Oh my God! Yeah, lots of talented ones. Lots of lots of talented ones. And I'm sure with how many we are going to talk about today, mm-hmm. we will still not even scratch the surface oh, of. Not about so we're not about. trying to intentionally leave out anybody, you know, out. And by no means is it personal. It's just yeah, but there's we've so had to many. conduce, a, and we say this all the time with our short lists. But it's like <laughs> got to make a short list with specific artists. And we picked ones that are relative today and or just huge. Yeah. That are household names. Yeah. And that's who we're going to start out with are those guys. Uh-huh. Um, so to kick it off, you know, Hans Zimmer, probably the best known film composer of our generation. Yeah. Of the last 40 years, 50 years. Yeah. Um. You know, he works a lot with people like Ridley Scott, Ron Howard, Gore Verbinski, Michael Bay, Christopher Nolan, Guy Ritchie. He's worked with some... He's worked with everybody. Big directors. Everybody, yeah. yeah. Literally everybody, yeah. <laughs> um, He's German, am I, am I correct? He is German. Yeah. Um, He has won one Oscar for The Lion King. That's a shame. Um, He's been nominated one... 12 times. That's not bad. Um, for everything... Rain Man, uh, mm. Prince of Egypt, Gladiator, Sherlock Holmes, Interstellar, Dunkirk, um, a couple other things. See, and to this day, when I watch anything from what I we've grown up with, that um, I forget like, oh shit, Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. composed that. Hans Zimmer composed that. Like, <laughs> he's literally dipped his toes into everything. Yeah, and uh, even for the big things that we talk about that he's done, it's like. He's done so much it's else. Just, even little things, yeah. indie things. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's quite impressive. And, I mean, it, I, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, he's done so, so much. Um, the Batman vs. Super, or the DC movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the DCU with the Man of Steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so much. And he, he, he is a good, and I know you're going to hate this, so sorry. But he's a good composer. Don't get me wrong. That's undoubtable. He is a good composer. It's a good start. All of his shit sounds the same. All of his shit from the last, like, 25 years or so sounds the same. Okay. Be quiet, Mr. Sherlock. <laughs> you are loved. Okay, back to this. Um, We talked about this, Aaron. I know. And, like, there are... Hans Zimmer's earlier works... And mostly in the 90s. His earlier 90s were like, 20s. I would say pre-90, I would say. Early 2000s, I mean. Yeah. Those. Before that. Those were, was very, like, those were very different. Getting fat checks, he sounded the same. But once you get to like The Rock. Um, That's what I'm saying. Though. Mission Impossible, Gladiator, uh, Pearl Harbor. Young movies. Um, Let's talk about. Why did those sound the same? All the Pirates of the Caribbean, those all sound the same. When he started off with like, yeah, okay, Batman Begins, working with Nolan. And then, yes, I will give you that the Pirates theme does sound a lot like uh, Gladiator. Yeah. Which but even sounds like, a lot like the music that's in The Rock. 
not just the theme songs though. No, Multiple not just the theme songs. songs. All of the songs sound very similar to a lot of other songs in a lot of other movies. Eh. I think to a to a to a to a degree. Um, some I, composers, even to other composers, will have some like, oh, I thought it was this composer because it kind of mm-hmm. sounds like this composer type of thing. Yeah. They don't always... They, some of their music sounds like it's other people's works, even if it isn't. Yeah. But even with Hans Zimmer, like... I think notably, though, he's done... Especially with franchises. I'll pick out franchises. Mm-hmm. He does better with um, much more, you know, outstanding, you know, easier to pick out of the, hey... uh type music that's not like sherlock holmes yeah you got richie and then you got batman begins then you go and talk about pirates and it's like those three are quite different uh, sherlock holmes is very he different. has his sound and with like denny elfman too it's like okay you know who this guy is mm-hmm. but with and especially with such an array of movies he's done Obviously, some of it's going to. I very sound a strongly bit. prefer his individual movies. Um, okay, the scores like Hannibal, um, The Last Samurai, right? Um, let's see here, The Da Vinci Code, The Holiday. Those were good. Did um, he, Frost Nixon. Did he do Angels and Demons? So he did do all three of the Robert Landons. I believe so. That's cool. Um. And there's several other things here. I mean, Lone Ranger sounds a little a different. Twelve Years a Slave sounds a little different. Um, right. His individual movie, the movie, the movies that he scores that are not part of a series, okay. are by and large better than his recycled. Doesn't sound as franchise recycled. Okay, that's my big thing. I like his music. He does good music. Mm-hmm. It's just that a lot of his major franchises that he does. It sounds like he's recycling the same material for all. And I kind of feel like that could just be his, you know, artistic execution of how he thinks the picture should be sounding. Or it's more studios coming in saying, well, we like the way this sounded. Can you kind of make it sound like that? You think whoever's, that has anything to do with it? Could it could be, but whoever's making the decision is stupid. But regardless of who's still at fault. Still all catchy. As far sure. as Pirates is, is a iconic thing. But like and, the... I just I have a very strong belief that the actiony the most action packed part of the rock the music playing there shouldn't sound exactly like the most action packed part of Pirates 3. Mm, okay. The music there shouldn't sound the same. It's completely different scenes, it's completely yeah, different yeah. scenarios. The music should not have the exact same melody. I understand that. That's my big beef. Regardless of who's at fault, that's that my gets, beef. That's my beef with like Gladiator. Yeah. When I watch it I'm thinking why does this feel like why pirates? does this sound like pirates yeah yeah like you're in because it's taking us individually whether anybody else thinks this or not it's mm-hmm. taking us individually out of the arena in gladiator and or into... off of alcatraz and into right. pirates of the caribbean or right. in pirates of the caribbean it's putting us in this scene yeah from the, the film. in the arena or on alcatraz like it's, it's putting us in a place where we don't need to be because it sounds so damn similar that's fair you know mm-hmm and that's it very well easily could be, you know, oh, we're hiring you because we like the way pirate sounded. We want something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Interstellar, another great one. Didn't sound anything like any of that. The music in that was really good. That was another one also to where the music was very 
it was either very noticeable or very not. Very like not. Not playing at all. There are certain scenes where there's a lot of music, but then there's a lot of the movie is just silence. That's and what I remember talking. the most, I guess. People talking, you know, not as much music, background music, mm-hmm. which is fine, but I loved it. Mm. So, so yeah, Hans Zimmer, easily one of the best known. Um, our next guy, uh, John Williams, is a very <laughs> also well known. Yeah, big, big, big composer. You know, he's been around since 52. He's 88 years old. And he's won how many freaking Oscars? Oh, God. I would think a lot, but you never know. I think. I mean, he's been nominated. And he's done so many. Different things. So, so many um, franchises and individual movies, too. But let's see. He's won an Oscar for Fiddler on the Roof, Jaws, uh, Star Wars 1, E.T., Schindler's List. Oh, God, Schindler's List score was so good. Um, he's been nominated dozens of times over again. Oh, yeah. Huge. Um, he has said that The Rise of Skywalker would be his last Star Wars movie. Right. Um, he, of course, is still credited anytime the, the theme, theme is, is used. He's still credited course. with that, but he's not actively going to be Working composing future Star Wars. Um, but he has done so much. Mm-hmm. So, so much. Um Oh, you said Schindler's List. Schindler's List. You yeah. have Star Wars to thank for him. You know? Yeah. Harry fucking Potter. Yeah. That's a huge one. Harry Potter. Um I mean he's a guy too who does a lot. I mean, he's done a couple of, you know, individual films, but like franchises is a He does a lot of franchises. Big key. He did the uh I mean, hell, he did Indiana Jones. I know. And these um, are all themes of things that are like catchy as mm-hmm. fuck. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um he did Home Alone. I think we mentioned Jaws already. Um, the original Towering Inferno. The original Superman from 78. Um, oh, Like wow, the Christopher yeah. Reeves Superman. Um, he's Jurassic Park. Fuck, how could we forget that? Yeah. So much. Saving and Private Jaws, Ryan. The right. Patriot. The Patriot's really good. That has a really good score. That is a good, that's a great movie. Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report, The Terminal. Memoirs of a Geisha. It, the list just goes on and on. It yeah. really does. Um, he could retire. Oh, he could easily retire. But he's still doing so good. Like, he's 88 years old. He's still blowing and, he's still, and going. He's still kicking ass. Like, why know. Why would he retire? He doesn't have to at all. Yeah. Or maybe on his retirement, he's composing, and it's yeah. like, hey, you want this? And it's like, okay. And he's just kind of like farting it out. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the next thing that he has set up to do is Indiana Jones 5. So, Which has been... In a pre-production limbo for years now, and especially yeah, with COVID, because they were supposed to, it was supposed to, I think, start filming this to start summer. Filming. There's a, and now I got more. Post-filming. Yeah, there's a tentative uh, 2022 lift, uh, release date, but we'll see. And I guess they must be satisfied finally, not to completely sidetrack, but still, um, they must be satisfied with some sort of storyline this time. I certainly hope so. Film because they have a release date, so like they have to have a storyline. Like yeah. they have a release date, July twenty twenty two. Like there's a date in there. Like they must have one. Okay, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah. but the way Disney handled uh, Star Wars, I'm faithful <laughs> that they'll handle Indiana Jones five just fine. Mm, as long as Shia LaBeouf isn't out, we'll be good. He, even if they asked Shia LaBeouf, 
I just don't think Shia LaBeouf would come back. I don't think he would. He's just become that person where he's like, I'm not an artist, but I'll still appear in things. As long as it's about me or peanut butter. Oh my God. Just kidding. That's not a jab at peanut butter falcon. I was just making a joke. No, it's a jab at him. It's a jab period. at him, though, in general. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, let's see. Our next guy, uh, Danny Elfman. Oh, my God. Worked a lot with Tim Burton, Sam Raimi. You can hear me say, oh, my God, a lot, by the way. Oh, my God. Tim Burton, right? Sam Raimi, yeah, definitely. Uh huh. Yeah, Tim Burton wise, he's done Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Charlie the Chocolate Factory, Alice in Wonderland, going. Dumbo. Most notably, probably the best thing he's known for for a lot of people is Nightmare Before Christmas. Hells yeah. He was the voice of the singing of the Jack singing voice of Jack Skellington. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, for Sam Raimi, Spider Man, Spider Man Two, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. He's also done Goodwill Hunting, Milk, Men in Black, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yeah. Um, and then he's even done the uh, themes to like shows like Desperate Housewives and The Simpsons. Oh, how interesting! So he's he's done a lot. He has. I don't pay attention to TV as much, but still, it's it's quite cool. Notable. Um, hasn't won any Oscars, surprisingly. Well, that's some fucking bullshit. He's won a Grammy, which for Pretty good. Uh, for musicians, is but not an Oscar. Better, not an Oscar. He's been nominated four times, never won one. But that kind of irks me. <laughs> Poor Danny Elfman. Yeah. Um, he deserves better than that. He so. does. And I mean, he he he's another really good one. I mean, he is. He's he, done some he big movies, powerful that, movies. That um element of intensity but like mm -hmm. that 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 deep like piano gothic type, dun, dun, yeah. type heavy like it puts you in a in a dramatically like yeah. lower place if it's batman and any tim burton project or even like 50 shades and stuff like that mm -hmm. and it's like it's when he starts doing that that's like oh yeah it's a this is Danny Elfman right here. <laughs> so, like, I like Danny because a lot of his music can kind of sound the same, even though it's, like, completely different, like, music in general. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's a there's a key, there's a tone to every yeah. little thing that's, like, that makes it his mm -hmm. thing. And I really like that about uh, Danny Elfman because I'll, I'll pick him out in a movie anytime. Like, yeah, I'd, he composed this and you <laughs> look it up and it's like, oh, yeah, he did. It's like, yeah, because he hit he he does the one thing. It's kind of like with a film director. Yeah. Who has that niche. And it's like, that's what Danny does with his music. Yeah. So I really applaud him for always keeping true to that <laughs> style. And that's why people hire him. Mm -hmm. So now he'll bring that. So yeah, no. And he's another, he's been around. He's He's been around for a while. He's older. We also got to mention, you know, he did your, uh, we'll be mentioning this a lot, unfortunately. He did the first Mission Impossible score. It's crazy looking back. You know, he did the first Mission Impossible. Hans Zimmer did the second one. And then one we'll mention later did one. And it seems like a compose like a completely different composer mm -hmm. has at some point kind of composed a Mission Impossible. And it's crazy when you listen to each opening theme to each Mission Impossible, mm -hmm. how different they are. Yeah. The tone, the attitude. They're not just the same, dun, 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 like yeah. like you would think. They're yeah, of course that's from the original. That the, particularly is from the original sixty exactly. TV series, but yeah. 
but it's fun getting a different composer for each mission possible and like them doing something that's like putting a different twist to the theme song mm-hmm. and composing the rest of the movies yeah and i always enjoyed that about those films was it's not the same guy every time yeah because i would get kind and of boring it would be it's fun to have a different pace a different attitude with each picture but yeah you know that was just my sideline so yeah cool though Who's i a- keep forgetting he did, the, he did that one <laughs> Who's next on our list? Howard Shore. Howard Shore. And he, you know, most famous here. But I can understand if a lot of people have not heard of him. Really? I feel well, like most people should in know. the nerd spectrum, I could see that with Lord of the Rings. But... Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, yeah. I mean, he's done some big movies, though. I mean, he did Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, but besides that, um, he did fucking seven... Gangs of New York, The Departed, um, the original The Fly. A lot of like independent type or not individual films. Individual films, yeah. Not uh, a lot of big not a lot of franchises. Franchises, yeah. But I mean he's Except he's for Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, yeah. Yeah, except for those. He's done a lot of things. Uh, the Aviator. So he's worked with uh Martin Scorsese a couple Scorsese of times. Quite Hugo a bit. with Martin Scorsese. Yeah. He did one of the Twilight movies, unfortunately. He must have um, needed a check. Spotlight. spotlight. We remember Spotlight. I forgot he did that, yeah. I didn't think he did it, but it doesn't surprise me, I guess. Um, yeah, he's I mean, he's done some really good movies. King Kong. That's the uh, the that's another Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's done a lot with Peter Jackson too. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean he's done some really good stuff. High Fidelity. That's an High old Fidelity. John Cusack. Um good Mrs. Stuff. Doubtfire he did. Oh, Ed Wood. Ed huh. That's interesting. That's a Tim Burton that didn't have Danny, huh? There have been a couple. Yeah, no, I, there yeah. has been. Because I think, uh, you know, Danny Elfman's not credited at all for Sweeney Todd. I don't know if hmm. the composing of that was just Stephen Sondheim too. It probably was. Probably was. Since it was based on the play, it was probably right. just, they had him. But I thought about that. I'm like, did he do that? Yeah, so. Yeah, that's happened. But but no, he's a, Howard Shore, he's a great, oh, he's, yeah. the, he's an older guy, but he's. He's done some good stuff. Big back in the 80s, the Tom Hanks movie. God, I still haven't seen that. It's good. I have not seen that in a while, but it's good. It's a good. I have not been disappointed in a single... <clears throat> I think, what's a bad... T- oh, Forrest Gump. Okay, besides that, all of his movies are pretty fun. I yeah. enjoy Tom Hanks. A lot of them are. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to some other composers, we want to talk about some... Films, well, these are all really film series, well, for the most part. Um, I mean, music that we really yeah. like. <laughs> they're all series. There's a couple here that aren't series. Are they, though? But they're part of a series. <laughs> but um, Star Wars, obviously, that's a given. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter, Mission Impossible for you. 007. Just make the list. You don't have to specify. No, it's for me. It, it is for you. <laughs> 007. The good thing about 007 is kind of like what you're saying about the Mission Impossibles. Uh-huh. It's different. Like you have the right. the one song that's in all of them for a minute. But then the, the actual rest, 007 theme. The theme, yeah. But then the rest of it, the openings and the music in it. Which is all thanks to, like, they always get a different artist. They always get a different artist for the opening. They have different composers, too. Yeah, and then they get different composers for the body of the movie. There have yeah. been people who have done multiple ones, like Thomas Newman did, like, 
two right, or three. Right. And several people did multiple ones of the older ones, but they're and all And Hans Zimmer's different. actually doing No Time to Die. Because mm-hmm. he was added after someone they were going to have backed out backed or out or something yeah. like that but that's still interesting because i don't think zimmer's done a bond movie which i think he has i'm not mad at but i mean the 007 films have gotten some really good um, oh yeah really really good uh people to do their choice of directors aren't always great yeah but the composers they get sometimes are pretty good but um and then of course you know the the theme songs are very hit and miss but always they, always been like that. they're frequently very good though typically like when i when there's when an artist does a bond theme mm-hmm. that's like the only like ooh, i like this song from this artist yeah because they they step out of their own element in a way to do a bond the song that's just perfect yeah and then they go back into their element but like if it's adele or even this year's billy eilish who did um mm-hmm. The new one i was like that's probably their most golden ticket music right there yeah and it's not even like their music it's a bond song but i like it you know yeah they do a good job yeah no they, they get some good artists for Let's see. Roles. composers of the bond series monty norman uh john barry john barry did a lot of barry. the bond movies like mm-hmm. 11 or a lot of them a lot of them a lot of them um course he also did the bond theme he was the writer of the bond theme but um okay you've also had george martin marvin hamlish um bill conti david arnold thomas newman hans zimmer and a couple other guys um, yeah david arnold that was it. they've had some really really good uh composers do the bond music and i think it's for the most part i think it's all worked out well it's the opening music that is kind of hit or miss mm-hmm but uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, despite all my Hans Zimmer shit, the Pirates of the Caribbean score, it, it is good. And it's very... Still, still a catchy. It's very fitting with the theme of the movie. Absolutely. It really hits well in all of them, um, even the two shitty movies. So One One worse, shitty movie. One decent. Yeah. 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 I can agree. That's more fair. Um, <laughs> the Indiana Jones... Oh, my God. Honestly, I don't remember. I never remember anything except for that. Yes, you don't watch them enough. Because they're not very good. They are golden. The third one is the best. You can say what you want about the fourth. I won't go into that. But the trilogy. I wasn't even going to mention the fourth. But the third one is the only one that's worth watching multiple times, in my opinion. I know I'm in the vast mind, like I might be the only person on the planet who thinks that, but still, that's as my you sh- opinion. As you should be. <laughs> God. Raiders of the Lost Ark Temple of Doom. Ooh, but only Last Wrong. Crusade. That's all right. I mean, yes, it had Sean Connery. I'll give you that. Anyways, what's on less of our list there? Uh, Jurassic Park. Also very good. God, the Animaniacs. That- fucking funny (laughs) oh my god i laughed so hard the best part of the freaking season so far was that open i was like oh it was so funny (laughs) it was so good and i swear to god it sounded like they actually had jeff goldblum in that character i swear i think they did that's awesome that was so funny though (laughs) it was great but um, <laughs> some of the others real quick. Star Trek, also very good. Uh, now, specifically, 
Abrams Star Trek or Abrams Star Trek was more where we were going, but in general, right. the music has always been pretty solid in the Star Wars movies or the Star Star Trek movie. Excuse me. Um, Shrek, another good. It's amazing how many kids movies have really good music. Um, yeah, specifically the Shrek One soundtrack. Yeah, was on fire. Yeah. The others were decent, mm-hmm. but man, Shrek, that Shrek 1 soundtrack, <sighs> yeah. some golden stuff. It does. But, yes. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, that's not really composed as much as it is a That and Suicide Squad were Suicide a good squad, contemplation of I would pair bangers. Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey. Because they were both unique in the DCEU in that it's a compilation, compilation or whatever, of yeah. existing music. Well, and Birds of Prey wasn't, they did that because that's the the element that Suicide Squad is yes. going for. And they want to keep that kind of style with yeah. those movies like that. And I hope they keep it in the new Suicide Squad too. Oh, I abs- think they will. Oh my God. James Gunn's doing it? Yeah. Oh, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy? I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. He's going to do such a bang-up job. I think, man, that soundtrack's going to be on fire. I just... Yeah. You mark my words right now. I think it will. I think it's going to be on fire. <laughs> but yes. So, I yeah. That got me really excited. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, even without just the, you know, composers, you mm-hmm. know. The music. If you can... Uh, there's one, I can't think of his name on the top of my head. He did burlesque, but not the original songs of burlesque. He did, he got a pick up, um, but he does great music for Christopher films. Beck. And was he the composer? Christoph Beck. Yeah. Yes. Christoph Beck. Thank you, dude. This guy does such a bang up job hmm. with putting songs together in a picture. Mm-hmm. Man, I love Christoph Beck. That's cool. Yeah. He does a good job. Hangover, <laughs> crazy stupid love. Yeah. Oh wow. So so before we move on, we will take a break for a word from our sponsors. Yes. And then we'll be back shortly. Alrighty. So moving on, our next one. So there's these are going to be some people that have done a lot of movies for the most part. Um, who you may or may not have heard of. They're not as much household names as some of the earlier guys we've talked about. Yeah. Um, Junkie XL. Mm-hmm. Actual name is Thomas Hulkenborg. He is a right. from the Netherlands. Don't know why he goes by that, but that's okay. Just Junkie XL. <laughs> yeah. Um, he first became very wildly famous with a remix of Elvis's "A Little Less Conversation." Which a is, little less conversation. Oh, that's a good one. And like that, the original version of that song is boring as shit. Is it? Very. And then the remix came along, and the remix is just an absolute bang. Wouldn't he do the remix? 2002. Okay, I guess I grew up with that one then. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like before that, no one had ever even heard. Oh, never thought of that. The original How one. Interesting factoid. Um, wasn't one of Elvis's popular ones at all. Now it is. And now it's like <laughs> now that is probably the most widely played Elvis song of the last How twenty years funny is that? or eighteen. That years. was his resume, just doing that first. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about yourself. Well, oh, a little of oh. conversation. <laughs> well, you're going to be doing these movies. <laughs> just kidding. Oh gosh. But no, that's cool. 
But um, you know, he hasn't won many awards yet. I don't believe. But yet. he's done so many movies. Um. Oh, I can't. But after we list this, I can't talk about what he's doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, and that's kind of political in its own way. Okay. Justice League. Oh, just yeah, Justice League. Um, he did. Let's see. He's only been active in movies for the last a little bit before 2010, but really the last ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Paranoia, 300, Rise of an Empire, Divergent, Divergent. So he didn't do the first 300. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Run All Night, Mad Max Fury Road, one of his big ones. That's a big one. Black Mass, Point Break, Deadpool, Batman vs Superman. Dawn oh, of he Justice. did Black Mass. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. He co-did with Hans Zimmer. Uh, okay. He's worked. He has worked as um, an assistant to Hans Zimmer for many years. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, you know, a lot of composers have. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, a enough. lot of them have. Yeah, and he's he's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. But um, he's also done things like The Dark Tower, Tomb Raiders, Mortal Engines, Elite Battle Angel, Terminator Dark Fate, Sonic the Hedgehog, Scoob, and then upcoming. So Godzilla versus obviously Kong. some bad things, but who can blame him? Godzilla versus Kong, yes. Zack Snyder's Justice League, which or the Snyder Cut really, and then Army of the Dead. Let's dive in. Well, it's important. Because originally, when Zack Snyder was helming the directorial seat mm-hmm. of this, he had his Junkie XL he had to XL, yeah. compose it, as but he did with the other... Batman vs. Superman. Mm-hmm. And didn't he not do uh, Man of Steel? I don't think so. Okay, so it was just BVS? I think so. Oh. Okay. Man of Steel. Let's see. Uh, nope, Hans Zimmer. He probably worked under Hans Zimmer on it. Right. No, that that makes sense. Cause I remember Hans Zimmer talking about mm-hmm. doing the elements for Man of Steel. But um, okay, no, that's right, that's right. And then Junkie XL's name came in the board, so he was on board for Justice League, and then mm-hmm. the whole re-studio directing, and then the director Josh Whedon got iconic Denny Elfman for nostalgic reasons, and um. Total, then that was a whole total plethora. bullshit. I love Danny Elfman. Total bullshit decision on. I know. Yeah, oh, it gets me hot. I know. I'm thinking about Joss Whedon gets me hot, not in a sexy my, way. My butt, my blood's kind of boiling <laughs> at the same time. But um, back to the the hope of it all um is that now that Snyder's back in the picture, mm-hmm. and he's given us the Snyder cut mm-hmm. finally. Something that the fans actually preach for that is happening. Yeah. But for an actual reason, though, like this was actual substance that we could actually get <laughs> on board, not just some puff piece. Like, what's the other one? Uh, David Ayer's. Uh, oh, David the Ayer cut of Suicide cut. Squad. No, like that's. I'm sorry. That's just a. It's that's bull. That's a. You're trying to pull a small broken string out of something that's actually an. <laughs> an aluminum wire cord type thing. Mm-hmm. Like don't go don't go there with me. But no, but now back to the point. <clears throat> he got Junkie XL, where we both I think started following on Twitter, posted uh a video of him working on some new mm-hmm. tunes for the Snyder Cut. Yeah. So it'll be fun on top of 
people, by the yeah. way, to get you happy about the Snyder Cut. <laughs> it's not just footage and stuff that Snyder had that he's adding yeah. in and making the whole story completely different. It's the composing and the music and all that is a game changer. Yeah. It's a whole different picture. No, it really to is. To be quite honest. So I'm excited to see what uh, what comes of that. And that's what he's currently playing with. Yeah. Um, I just, I absolutely love, like I'll listen to this when I'm working. Mad Max, yeah. I know. I love Mad Max the movie, but the music is a big part of it. Like, I, like we said earlier. I know. The it's music, a banger of an album. Uh, it novel. really is. And like, I'll listen. I have the Mad Max album on my phone. I know, like, yeah. I'll listen to it. Like, if I'm working and just need something in the background, I'll put that on. See, that was me with Pirates at World's End. Mm-hmm. That whole track. Oh, it's so good. <sighs> Loved it. But yeah, I feel you. But I I really do love Junkie XL's uh, movie scores. I'm looking forward to anything else that he does. Um, especially Bat- uh, especially Justice League, but anything else too. Um, I always look forward to. No, he's especially in the last ten years, he's definitely done some big projects. Yeah, he's obviously been working on the right people and is still coming up in mm-hmm. a lot. I think thanks to Hans Zimmer and Zack Snyder. Yeah, he's and he's a young guy, like a younger guy so, in the grand. And imagine how old these composers are now. Yeah. <clears throat> He's going to be around. Yeah, he's going to be around for a while. We have yet to see what he is, yeah. uh, you know, going to get awarded for. Yeah. Or at least nominated. Absolutely. So, that's exciting. Um, Our next composer is easily one of my favorites, um, Thomas Newman. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely, because these are a lot of your... Oh, he's done so many good things. I, mean, I love... I think Thomas Newman is great, but like... This is definitely up your alley. He's done a lot of classic movies. Um, Shawshank Redemption, Cinderella Man, American Beauty, Green oh, Mile, right. mm-hmm. uh, Finding Nemo, uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate oh, Events, that's a good one. Wally, uh, Skyfall and Spectre, the Bond movies, Re- most recently 1917, The Help, oh. Meet Joe Black. Oh my God, Meet Joe Black's score is so fucking good. 1917's was I so I still haven't good. seen Meet Joe Black. So I can't speak for that. You need to see it. It's so good. It's long. You've told me for 15 years. It's so long. We're going to watch it. I'm going to pin you down like in Clockwork Orange. I'll watch it. Water your eyes. and be bored by it. It's good. It's not for everybody, but it's so good. How long is it? Like four hours? Three. I think three. Maybe four. I don't know. It's long. It's not as draggy as you think. Oh, God. Who did direct that? That always helps my... Probably someone you've never heard of. Oh, no. Martin Brest. Everyone's heard of him. It's three hours in a minute. Have I? Martin Brest? Yeah, who? Geely. Uh, Scent of a Woman. Beverly Hills Cop. Saturday Night Live. So, no. Okay, cool. Martin Brest. <laughs> yeah, he didn't meet Joe Black. <laughs> no, Scent of a Woman. That's a classic one. Maybe seen it once. Al Pacino and Chris O'Donnell. Actually, I don't think I've seen it. So, Oh, no, obviously I've seen it once. Yeah, I've seen it that's once. a good one. Beverly Hills Cop, that's another really good one. I was a kid, one. I was a kid, seen it once. You weren't alive when Beverly Hills Cop But I've seen it as out. a kid. Anyway, um, it's not a really good movie. Anyways, yes. Okay, is he alive still? Who? That director. Martin Burst? Yeah. He hasn't done much. Okay. He's 69. He'd... Some people don't have to work or don't want to work forever. Yeah, I get it. 
But anyways, back to Thomas Newman. But uh, Thomas Newman, he's done so, 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 so many things. Um, the Iron Lady, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Um, the Judge. Bridge of Spies. Ooh. Bridge of Spies, yeah. Finding Dory. The Highwaymen. That, that movie was all right. It was over. I did not finish that. Um, Saving Mr. Banks. That had a really good... The movie itself was all right, but it had a better... I like Tom Hanks as Walt Disney. Yeah. Revolutionary Road. Works with Sam Mendes a lot. He's worked with several people oh, multiple times. Oh, the good times. German. Um, he's just done so many things. And his career goes back to 84. So That's not bad. The Great Outdoors. That's a really good movie with John Candy. Mm. By John, John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. Lips and assholes. <laughs> um... Yeah, I I love Thomas Newman. I love him. The Sha- Newmster, Shawshank Redemption, American, um, American Beauty, and Meet Joe Black are enough for me. But he's done way right. more than that. He's been nominated for fifteen Academy Awards. I mean, fuck me. How many has he won? I don't think a damn thing. Nope, hadn't won one. He is on the same line with the Danny Elfin. He's won multiple Grammys. Um. But yeah, never won, never won an Oscar. I mean, Grammy's cool, but an yeah. Oscar, I mean, come on. And I mean, like, fuck me, like, Shawshank Redemption, that's, that was Oscar worthy. Well, American Beauty was Oscar worthy. Um, Saving Mr. Banks, I remember that year, that one was Finding Nemo, that's a joke. Finding, oh my God, Finding Nemo was actually pretty good. 1917, that was also Oscar worthy. That was a great movie. <sighs> but yeah. It, uh, I don't know. He is easily my favorite. Junkie XL is a very close second. But who else do we got? Our next on our list is the great Harry Gregson Williams. God, he goes back. So what has he done? My childhood. Um, Shrek. Ooh. Uh, Ridley Scott's The Martian. The uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Kingdom of Heaven, which I recently rewatched hmm. not too long ago, and this year's Mulan. Oh, okay. And he's done uh, quite a bit of um, TV stuff. Yeah. Hmm. The Riches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see. He's also done. He did the Meg. Oh wow, he's done a lot, a lot, a lot. Prometheus, oh, yeah. Cowboys and Aliens. Wow. Prometheus. Did he do any of the other Alien ones? I'm gonna guess not. Hmm. Because he wouldn't have done Alien Resurrection, and Jed Kurtzel did Alien Covenant. Okay, interesting. But, also, no. but no, he's he's done a lot of stuff, a lot of good music, a lot of good oh, movies. Definitely. Shrek's good. The Martian was really good. Yeah. Haven't seen Mulan yet. We'll get to see that. I'm excited by the trailers. I think the music's going to be decent. Yeah, at least I think so. The original animated one had oh good my music. god, it was really very good. singable music. This won't be a musical. No, no. And that, but the composing, you know, yeah, yeah. So, but he's a younger-ish for the list. I mean, he's mm-hmm. fifty-eight. So I mean that you know some of these guys are in their seventies and eighties. So he's got another good. 10, 20 years in him at least, you'd think. 
Um, we'll see. So we'll see. Another person, um, Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. He's done uh, recently the Star Trek Kelvin timeline, the J.J. Abrams ones, that is. Yeah, those are great. Um, the Incredibles. Oh, God, that's good. Jojo Rabbit. That's... That was a... That Loves was kind of a mix between composition and Iconic, compilation. Like, German-covered. Yeah. Rocks music, yeah. Um, but he's also done... Well, going back to JoJo, like, that cover of Heroes and the mm, Beatles song is, like, mm-hmm. kind of overwhelms more than yeah. the composing. But it's still very good. Yeah, I know yeah. it is. Um, I think he's done some of your Mission Impossible movies. He did, if I'm not mistaken, Ghost Protocol. I don't know if he's done any others. He, like I said, he's a he's an Abrams guy too. He's worked a lot with Abrams, See. and Abrams directed the third. Oh, he yeah, did Mission Three and Ghost Protocol and Ghost Protocol. Yeah. So those were really okay. well well done. Let's see. He's also done. He did Ratatouille. That was really good. Ratatouille. Up. So he's done a good amount of Disney movies. Yeah. Jurassic World, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That was mm. good. Bad Times at the El Royale. That was all right. The music wasn't bad. The yeah. Movie the movie was atrocious. Was, eh, yeah. He's doing the Batman. The, the Matt Reeves, one. the Batman. Yeah. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. It's sequel. Hmm. Uh, Jurassic World sequel. So uh, he's definitely one who's mm-hmm. keeping himself busy. That's cool. He works with J.J. Uh, Abrams very frequently, it looks like. Yeah. Brad Bird, Matt Reeves. Which is a smart move. Yeah. And Brad, Bird's, it, Brad Bird is also a Abrams guy. so That's cool. And he's also part of the um, Christopher McQuarrie. They're all in the same little okay. s- spectrum. So that's smart. It looks like he's also, he's been nominated for two Academy Awards. He won one for Up. The other one he was nominated for was Ratatouille. At least he won something, even if he didn't deserve for that. Oh I have my opinions about Up. See, I wonder what else was nominated that year for score. So it was Up, Avatar, Ooh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Hurt Locker, Mr. and Fox. Sherlock Holmes was what was nominated for original score that year. Damn. That's quite a Andre list. Andre Desplat, that's another good uh, That composer. is. I'm surprised we didn't put him on our list. He's He's good. He's done a lot. Yeah, I know. He's really good. He's really, really good. Well, you can plug him. Yeah. Let's see. Down. Let's see. He has received nine Academy Award nominations, apparently not winning any. Welcome to the club. But uh, he's done... What has he done? The Queen, Golden Compass, Benjamin Button, Twilight, mm. unfortunately, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Deathly Hallows 1 and 2, King's Speech. That was really good. Oh, yeah. Danish Girl. That had that was a good movie and had pretty good music. Argo. Moonrise Kingdom, Argo, Zero Dark, Zero Dark 30, Thirty, Godzilla, Godzilla. Imitation Game, Unbroken, that had good music, uh, Secret Life of Pets, Little Women, the music in that was good. We nominated that, I think. Maybe for did. For our awards. Yeah. Um, All of Dogs. Yeah, he's done a lot. Mm-hmm. He's doing the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. Okay. Oh, he's doing uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch coming up. Oh, okay. Which, you know, because Wes Anderson also did uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, so mm-hmm. he might be an Anderson guy. That's awesome. So there's a little plug for someone not on the list, but definitely a, we, noteworthy. Uh, crossed by it, because yeah. we've seen his name pop up on a lot of things. So, yeah. 
Um, and let's see, Daniel Pemberton. Tell us about him. God, if I was, you know, the first time I really Daniel Pemberton's name came, you know, like popped out for me was the counselor when it came out. I just, I don't remember. I remember the opening credits and his name just was there, and I remember seeing Dan Pemberton. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the music of the movie. And I was like, "Damn!" Just the eerie, <laughs> dun, dun, like mm-hmm. that quiet, subtle, like eeriness that he does with the counselor was just fucking fabulous. Mm-hmm. And ever since that, I just did not forget his name. And then I started seeing him coming up with like Man from Uncle, uh, Birds of Prey. Mother's Brooklyn that we love. Yeah. And even the Steve Jobs film with uh, Michael Fassbender. He's just, he's he's not as, he- like I said, he's not well known. He's barely a name, but he's slowly make, eking his way up the ladder. Yeah. But the counselor to me will always be where I was like, okay, I'm going to mark him down because this yeah. guy's going places. Great film, great music. Mm-hmm. And if Ridley Scott hires you, you know you're on the right path. <laughs> That's my opinion. Yeah, uh, he also did in all the homes oh, this in Charlie, year's, Chicago uh, Seven. He's been doing a couple of Netflix films, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for him. See, you mentioned oh, yesterday Brooklyn. was really good. Granted, that's a lot of Beatles cover yeah. type, but it was good though. It was good. Hmm. He did a good. I job. didn't realize it was Lily James in that. Yeah, it was on HBO. It was really hmm. enjoyable. I recommend it. Yeah, all the money in the world. That uh, that was all right. It got a lot more hype, hype than it would have had the whole being a really Scott fan. Thing. I know, but even then, like being a really Scott fan, that was subpar. It was, yeah, it 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 was. Like I said, he does have his misses, and that's yeah. just not a miss, but like let's not but also it, it praise it. It happened, right? But it wouldn't have done nearly as good and gotten nearly the hype had again had the whole uh, Kevin Spacey thing and but not happened. Even but then, yeah. when they took him out and they put in um christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. you can tell some of the editing on the replacement of the scenes were kind of sloppy in the beginning it was most yeah. of it they reshot but it was a couple of scenes in the beginning that they pasted over and it was just terrible that's yeah but it is what it is um it barely made its budget in the box office so it and wasn't honestly, a profitable movie the premise and the cast and all that was like and i'm you know, Mark Wahlberg has his place. Like, I enjoy the Daddy's Homes. But. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how he got that role. <laughs> He's not good in that sense. That's my opinion. Yeah, I. And he, he really stuck out like a sore thumb in that movie. He has, as an actor, in my opinion, he has very few moments where he is a And it's good always fit. in a comedy spectrum. Yeah, in if it's any or something like that. in any kind of uh, right dramatic role, he I'm is very awkward to me. Very awkward, and he sticks out like, "Why are you in this?" And and he's in so many too. I mean, that's what's weird. All the money in the world, Deepwater Horizon, that just looks like a terrible movie anyway. Patriots Day also looked terrible. Um, I know Daddy's Home Ted Two, that's great, you know. Transformers, don't even get me started. Lone I, Survivor, fuck that. Uh, pain and gain that just looks stupid that was kind of satirical though that was a decent fit yeah i guess so broken city that movie was terrible but even when he was like breaking ground with max Payne. oh still that was such an atrocious yeah project no, like no and we don't mean to bash him like that it's just his because overall filmography 
has been choppy. He really needs to stick to the a certain Ted and Daddy's home and things like that. Not dramatic. The things that he's like, he executes brilliantly in, and he's fun to watch. Either that, or he needs to stick to producing because he's a good producer. He's he is produced a great, producer. great stuff. Yeah, I mean, Boardwalk Empire was great. Entourage was Entourage. great. Entourage. Um, what was the other? Um, he was a producer on Ballers. Ballers. Oh my God! Like, yeah, he's great at. That. He does great producing. He picks really good stuff. He really produce. does. So I mean, he's talented in different. You know, it's just that drama isn't production. his forte. It shouldn't. And be. I just feel like Ridley Scott should have had a different lead than damn yeah. Wahlberg. I would have Michael Fassbender. He's good with Fassbender. I mean, it's you had a movie that was led by Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg. I mean, and Michelle Williams leading a movie is... Had it been Kevin Spacey, it would have been a little bit better, I think. William, Christopher Plummer was really good. I mean, he won an Oscar yes, for it. Yes, but I think Kevin Spacey was more fitted for the role. Yeah. That's obviously why he was originally chosen Yeah, to be in it. Because like, okay, this is a Kevin. But because of the... I understand that. And he had to get the Plummer. And Plummer's a great... You know, oh, he's voice. he's a great actor. He uh, yeah. he does great work. It's just when you do actions like that, it just happens that way. And that's just yeah. one of those. But overall, like we said, has nothing to. That's not to rain on. Who's the Daniel Pemberton? Yeah, Daniel Pemberton. Like it's not his fault the movie sucked. Right. Like it. He had nothing to do with the. That wasn't one of those movies that is the music that broke the movie. Like not right, by right, a long right. shot. It's everything literally else. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's see lastly here and we might go into a couple of other uh honorable mentions here after this but um a composer who's gotten a lot more recognition globally at least recently um hildur what auditor guntador guntador okay. i'm so sorry i butchered that we are white um we're American. Is we're the, American. Like, regardless of that, That's... we are American. Um, she has done things. She's done multiple things. Like it's not oh, the first time. Oh man! No, you're right. She's I'm done. Looking back, it's like Prisoners, Sicario, Sicario the Revenant, the Revenant, The Oath. Oh, that's a that's, that's a random movie. one. Um, Arrival, uh, Journey's End, Mary Magdalene, right? Sicario Two, and Joker. That's what Joker is. What she has gotten known really, 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 really known for. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, she won the Oscar for that. Uh, yep. She's won multiple, multiple awards for that. Um, she won a Grammy for it. Or she's she got nominated. Excuse me. She got nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Uh, she actually did win a Grammy in 2020, though, for score to soundtrack for visual media in Chernobyl. Okay. Um, oh, she, she did Chernobyl, She did too? Chernobyl. Man, she's blowing my mind because <laughs> I love all these projects she's done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's impressive. She's an impressive woman. So, I mean, and she's she's definitely, I mean, she's only 38. I mean, fuck me. She's young. She is. And so she's Youngest got, of the ones we've listed here. Yeah. And, you know, not that this was, this is just how it was. Nothing sexist about it. But, like, the only female artist we have here for film there composers. There aren't that many female film composers. Not like. And not any as groundbreaking in, in a big way. You know? Yeah, and it's probably it. It honestly probably is one of those things that I would imagine that is still a very hard realm for women to break into. And why is that? You think? I don't know. Like it's probably just one of those good old boys thing. Man, you know, I guess like so. it. 
Because, I mean, how often for anybody, I know a lot of a millennial audience, this is probably an out of place statement, but think of however many times you either go to somewhere where you're seeing a symphony or you've seen a symphony on TV. How many times have you seen a female producer, a female oh, composer? Right. Not once. No. Personally, not once. In generalized, it's always seen. In generalized, it's yeah. always it's always men. Um, it's I don't know. I would just very much guess that that is something that is very very hard for women to break into. Um, unfortunately, no, I know. But That's... I mean, just think of all the times you know all the Academy Awards for music. It's almost all men. I know. I mean, we're th- and, we're looking at this list, and it's like, this is even dawn on me. Like, there are no women on here. Yeah, but like, I mean, Joker was phenomenal. It's crazy. Absolutely. No, the music was absolutely phenomenal. And that's a that's a great thing about composers and stuff. There's no gender behind it. Yeah, it's just the art itself. Yeah. it's talent. Whoever you are as a person, you're producing brilliant shit, right? I mean, we don't know what you are or who you look like behind the music until we look you up right and so it's just cool though that like finally you mm-hmm. know especially at this time and age like we finally get a recognized female composer who's actually getting recognized for some brilliant shit yeah. and like i said she's young mm-hmm. she's done some big projects already and uh i'm sure she's going to be doing tremendous things yeah as with the other people on our list it's just you know i'm happy that we've you know because when we made this list we didn't even think about trying to like well, we need equal amounts of women or men or anything like that we don't think in those yeah. terms we just think in terms of talent and i'm glad she made it on our list and we can actually bring that up because mm-hmm. it's like that's kind of cool to see that that's coming that's coming around yeah um that yeah that's just something that's different yeah and i was just already won a fucking oscar mm-hmm. you know for joker so like damn that's awesome yeah, though it's it's really good. I mean, you know, looking at the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay over the last few years, you know, mm-hmm. you have a lot of repeat. Like, Andre Desplat, it seems like, has been nominated almost every year. Very frequently, at least. Cut one year, 2014, he was nominated twice. Um, hmm. He's nominated a lot. Um, Hans Zimmer's nominated a lot. Of course. Um, Johan Johansson, um, he passed away. But he is a another great composer, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, from Iceland. Okay. Um, he did he did several movies. Um, he was nominated for The Theory of Everything, which that was good. That was good. Um, he also did work with uh Hildur on Prisoners, Sicario, and Arrival. Okay. Um, oh God. He was a music and sound direct, a sound consultant for Mother. Have we talked about how terrible Mother is on our podcast yet? You want to plug that? You want to trash it now? Yes. Like, okay. So Mother, let's go over some of the specs. Directed by Darren Aronofsky, written by Darren Aronofsky. And it's not the directing as much as the writing. Uh, starring well, directing Jennifer right. Lawrence, Javier Bardem, uh, Ed Harris, and yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. By that information alone... Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, <laughs> Something I would love to go see. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, this was one of the, and it, you know, it even had cameos by Dom Hall Gleason, Brian Gleason, oh, yeah. Kristen Wiig. Oh yeah. Um, but this was one of the most maddening movies. Like it physically made me angry. No, we were dressed, clawing on the armchairs mm-hmm. of our theater seats, wanting to like pry out of it four or five times. Like we almost left. Like it oh, was multiple. so bad. And I mean, and, and I, I kind of, you know, for me specifically, like I've, I have this stubborn rule of we're going to review it. I've got to finish it. And I, it's not a fair thing. I said, after seeing this, I said, if I ever see another movie that makes me feel like that, I will leave you here. <laughs> yeah, well. Because that was just one of the worst things I'd ever seen. Um, no, it was very... It was very... Um, just a migraine. It know. was. Um, and come to find out, it um, it is a... What's the best way to say it? It's an allegory. It's an allegory for um, and religion a- and yes. anti-religion. Um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is the mother. Javier Bardem is just credited as him with a capital H. Um, and basically the way it goes is that Jennifer Lawrence has to take care, has to take care of him and support him and worship, in essence, worship him. Yeah. And protect this thing. And then all this shit happens, like all this crazy, violent, yeah, horrible, horrible shit happens in this house. Yeah. Very randomly, too. Like, very, very randomly. And then, not to spoil it, but then at the very end... Even though it's quite old. Um, you know, she gets burned almost alive in the house. Like, to literally to a crisp. God. And then he asks for her love. Like, he's dying, apparently. He asks for her love. And in order to give, and she agrees, and in order to do that, though, he has to rip her chest open and remove her heart, which, (laughs) to come to find out, is the same thing that had been being protected all along. Right. And it's an allegory for, you know, in order for any god to exist, the human race keeps destroying itself basically yeah and giving our everything so this god can feel validated is basically what the movie's trying to say yeah um there's more to it than that go read about it if you want to um we don't necessarily oppose that message a lot of people would yeah we don't the message is fine that's yeah. not the thing watching the movie physically you would never guess that that's what it was number one that's, until the very end that's the problem and then number two, just it. how chaotic the movie is. It takes away from the message that Janowski is trying to do yes. by being over dramatic, over thematical, and then making a plot of a premise that doesn't even yeah. correlate. Because like, you go from like a romantic bathtub scene to like yes. a literal riot and rave in the living room of this house. Like, the what next the second fuck happened here? To like 
sex to murder to rape to this. It's it's insane. Yeah. It is literally it's insane. too much for us to process, really, as a viewer. Like, all these images and all that's happening. It's like, mm-hmm. what are we supposed to make of all this? Yeah. And then it ends, and you're like... What was that? What was that? Yeah. Uh, but a hot pile of mess. Yeah. Um, I'm exhausted just Poorly executed it. for the message that he was trying to... Yeah. And he's not a bad director. No. I mean, but Black Swan and Noah were decent movies. Mm-hmm. It's just... The fuck? Yeah. The fuck. <laughs> and I mean, like, that's not something Lawrence usually does or, you know. Yeah. Or Harvey or Burnham. And I'm not blaming the actors of this. No. It's just... Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. But it, it's something. So now, now we've... Uh, now we strongly, you know, pull that movie out to seriously say, what the... Yeah. That's just not good. <laughs> you can watch it and... Yeah, see for yourself. But see, we warned you. We, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. Yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps up our first season premiere, or yeah. our second season premiere, first episode. Yeah, first episode. Um, yeah. We've got some great topics in store for the season. We're very much looking forward to mm-hmm. it. Um, we hope you'll stick around with us. Check us out. Um, Twitter at 1990s Babies, Instagram at Millennials with Mike's podcast, and Millennials with Mike's on YouTube. You can listen to our podcast. It's just listening. There's no videos or anything like that. Right. We might do that in the future, but um, we'll see. Just video versus our podcast easier for some people. So yeah, check us out. Follow, like, subscribe, share with your friends, mm-hmm. and always drop us a comment or a line if you have suggestions, comments, questions, anything like that. Any parting words? No, that's it.